Hello, welcome to the Tuesday, August 9th, 2016 edition of the Sands and Storm Center's Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich and today I'm recording from Jacksonville, Florida. As part of a diary that Rob wrote today, he published a script that does try to identify files that have been affected by ransomware. Essentially what the script does is it looks at the entropy of a file. Encrypted files typically do distinguish themselves by having a higher entropy than files that are not encrypted. So this particular script will essentially just sort files by entropy and with that hopefully tell you which files have been encrypted with ransomware. One use case is that if you have a system that is affected by ransomware, you can then use the script to essentially isolate the files that are still okay and the files that need to be restored from backups or where you have to try to decrypt them. Of course, this script does not identify the actual ransomware itself. That would be more something that you do with anti-malware or hopefully you can restore the system from a complete backup and then identify any files that have changed. And the research group known as the Deep Instinct Research Team came out with a new way to inject malicious code into signed Windows binaries without invalidating the signature. The trick is pretty neat in that they're injecting the malicious code into the space in the binary file where the certificate is held and that part of the binary is not validated by the signature. So as a result, it is possible to inject additional code into the binary and then they also came up with an interesting trick to load that code into the binary once it's being launched. So with this particular bypass technique, digital signatures can be circumvented and a user may execute a binary that claims to be nicely and valid signed. At this point, there isn't really much you can do in order to detect or avoid this attack. I guess ultimately you could check the size of the certificate area, make sure it's not abnormally large. With that, you can at least avoid having large amounts of code being stored and injected, but it wouldn't really prevent the actual attack. It would just reduce the size of the payload. The authors also tested some security solutions to see if they would detect this and even if they did not further pack or encrypt the malicious payload, it was not detected by any of the solutions they tested. And then there has been a lot of talk about the quad router vulnerability that Checkpoint published last week. It does affect the Qualcomm chipsets that are commonly used in Android phones. The vulnerability itself does allow an attacker to gain root access on the phone. But then again, the victim first has to install the malicious software on the phone in order to trigger the exploit. So the actual impact is somewhat limited. Uh, historically, users have been quite willing to give malware whatever privileges it asks for without using any kind of exploit. So as long as you stay with the official Google Play Store, you're probably reasonable safe. 
And if you didn't make it to Vegas to attend DEFCON this weekend, the slides for all of the talks have been published and I will add a link to the site to the show notes so you can take a look if there are any talks that you are interested in. And then there's a new attack against light bulbs that are controlled via Zigbee. Zigbee has a special light control protocol. Now that protocol does rely on a global key that is common to all of these different light bulbs. In order to make things somewhat more secure, this global key is only used initially once a light bulb joins a network in order to create a master key for or a particular network. So each network still has a unique key and that key can only be reset by resetting the light bulb. Well, the problem here is that the intent is that resetting the light bulb requires that it's in close proximity, meaning 30 centimeters or the like to the controller. However, that particular requirement can be bypassed with that a reset can be triggered knowing just the global common key to all Zigbee devices and then a new key can be negotiated and light bulbs can be brought under remote control and to make things worse then this light bulb that just got infected can also become a new source of these infections essentially creating a Zigbee worm which of course then would extend the distance of this particular attack. Pretty interesting attack and uh, also some speculations here about how these light bulbs could be used as a covert channel to bypass some air gaps. But uh, take a look at the paper. It's uh, very in-depth on the Zigbee protocol and how to launch these particular attacks. Well, that's it for today. So thanks again for listening and talk to you again tomorrow. Don't forget, tomorrow is Microsoft Patch Tuesday.